sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. So getting good sleep is absolutely mandatory. Beam's Dream Powder to the rescue. Beam's Dream Powder is a science-backed, healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder. They're science-backed, healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Better sleep has never tasted better. If you've tried other sleep aids and woken up feeling groggy or disoriented, you've got to try Beam's Dream Powder because that is not an issue for me when I use it. Just mix Dream into hot water or milk, froth it up, and enjoy before bed. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com opportunist and use code opportunist at checkout. That's shopbeam.com opportunist and use code opportunist for up to 40% off. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health, so getting good sleep is absolutely mandatory. Beam's Dream Powder to the rescue. Beam's Dream Powder is a science-backed, healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder. They're science-backed, healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Better sleep has never tasted better. If you've tried other sleep aids and woken up feeling groggy or disoriented, you've got to try Beam's Dream Powder because that is not an issue for me when I use it. Just mix Dream into hot water or milk, froth it up, and enjoy before bed. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, get up to 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com opportunist and use code opportunist at checkout. That's shopbeam.com opportunist and use code opportunist for up to 40% off. This episode contains disturbing content and explicit language. Please take care while listening. Imagine you're two months into a hike on the Pacific Crest Trail. The air is quiet. The sun is setting over the mountains. It's an impossibly beautiful moment. But also, everything hurts. You've been eating dehydrated spaghetti for two weeks, and yet, somehow, your pack doesn't feel any lighter. Oh, and you've still got three months and another 1,600 miles to go. I think one thing that most long distance hikers have in common is they have a lot of mental fortitude. As romantic as is the idea of hiking every day, the reality is after a couple of weeks, getting up at five in the morning and putting on wet shoes and wet clothes and walking for 12 to 14 hours a day and eating pretty crappy food, I mean, it is work. This is the life of a long distance hiker. Long distance hiking is less of a hobby and more of a lifestyle. One that requires a very specific type of person. Because we spend so much time out in the woods with each other in the elements, um, either by ourselves or maybe like a select few people, it really tears down a lot of the barriers and kind of guards and walls we put up in society. So people generally tend to be very open and free in the long distance hiking community, very honest with each other, very forthright, very trusting. But on the outside of this close-knit, quick-to-trust community, Someone was watching closely, looking for his next victim. When he came up, he was friendly and made sure to make himself available whenever we needed it. He was there in every session. He was sitting with people, eating, talking. So he just kind of threw himself right into it. He was an open book with a life story so tragic, it was almost unbelievable. He was originally, I think, from Alaska. He didn't have any family anymore because when he lived in Alaska, he was engaged to a woman that he had had a child with. And his parents and his fiance and his child were all in a car and they had a horrific car accident and they all died and he lived. His name is Jeffrey Caldwell and his story was wrought with tragedy. But how much of it was true? And what was he doing at an annual gathering of long distance hikers, accepting an award for one of the most prestigious hiking accomplishments? when he's not a long-distance hiker at all. And I mean, climbing, hikers, kayakers, we're all kind of the same, cut from the same dirtbag cloth of being very welcoming and very inviting and very generous and give the shirt off your back to someone who needs it. And I'm sure he just figured out real quick, like, hey, here's another community I can go prey upon right now. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. This is Jeffrey Caldwell on the trail. A story told in one episode. 
I'm Hannah Smith. Whitney LaRufa is the president of the American Long Distance Hiking Association West. In 2015, he was planning the organization's annual gathering in Mount Hood, Oregon. So the American Long Distance Hiking Association West is a nonprofit organization that started off in the late 90s celebrating people who had completed the major three long distance trails in America, which are the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, from the Pacific Crest Trail. Done all three trails and uh, it really started to honor at the time that they did it. So they came up with the Triple Crown Award and that's kind of how it started. The gathering is an annual long weekend celebration of long distance hiking. It's always toward the end of September, which is the end of hiking season. It's like camp for adults. All of your meals are included. You sleep in cabins. There's live music, bingo, and guest speakers. The big kind of event once a year is they do their annual gathering. It rotates between Oregon, California, and Colorado. And it's a weekend event with speakers and hiker Olympics, just games. It's kind of like a very campy family reunion you would go to, except it's long-distance hikers. The main event is Saturday night, the Triple Crown Ceremony. To complete the Triple Crown means covering almost 8,000 miles shared between the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Pacific Crest Trail. It takes grit and perseverance, but it also takes careful planning. For long-distance hikes like these, you can expect to be gone for weeks or months. That means you're not working and you're living with what you can carry. And sticking to a schedule is important because the only places to get additional supplies are designated checkpoints along the trail. And it's common to go by a trail name instead of your actual name. Whitney goes by All Good. You know, most people in the hiking community only know by their trail name. You know, I have friends, like I said, that I've known for 20 years. I couldn't tell you their last name or their first real name. Ahead of the gathering, Whitney got an email from a man named Jeffrey. Jeffrey said he'd completed the Triple Crown and wanted to attend the gathering, but was hoping to do so by receiving a scholarship. This is something the American Long Distance Hiking Association, or ALDHA, is already set up to provide. In exchange for help throughout the weekend, someone on a scholarship gets free attendance and room and board. And really, as a group of people, we want those people there, and we know what it's like to finish a trail and have your bank account pretty exhausted. So I said, yeah, we have this uh, scholarship fund, and, you know, you'd be more than welcome to use it. We do ask that you, you know, it's kind of a work for say, you got to help us kind of set up tables and chairs and then break down at the end of the event. There might be some cleaning or other stuff we ask you to do. Whitney didn't give the request too much thought. It's pretty typical of long distance hikers to live by a thin margin. So they found some work for Jeffrey at the event and offered him a scholarship. The gathering starts, it's Friday nights, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And usually Friday morning, we would go have a volunteer day where people who were coming in early to town could go do trail maintenance, which would be like brushing out a side trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. For this one in particular, they worked on the Pacific Crest Trail. And he actually was like, oh, can I do that? Can I sign up? So we signed up for that. And he actually went and volunteered that day. After Jeffrey received the scholarship, Whitney got another email from him. And he was like, hey, you know, I was on my way there and all my gear got stolen. I can't remember if he said it was at a train station or a Greyhound station. Which I kind of felt like, in hindsight, should have been the first red flag. To a long-distance hiker, their pack is their lifeline. It's their home in a bag. And being careless enough to have it stolen at a bus station would have seemed strange to Whitney. But he was busy preparing for the gathering, and so he didn't give it too much thought. If you are enjoying the show, would you take a moment to rate, review, and follow The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen? Thank you. Take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everlywell. Their at-home lab tests and vitamins and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. Everlywell is digital healthcare designed for you at an affordable and transparent price. They have over 30 at-home lab tests. You can choose the test that makes the most sense for you based on what answers you're looking for. Like they have a general women's health test or a food sensitivity test. Um, They have high-quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. 
I've been taking the vitamin D supplement and it's fantastic. I'm loving it. And I also have done an at-home test um, to test my thyroid function. The test was super easy to take and the instructions were very clear and I got my results very quickly. It was overall an incredibly easy and helpful experience. And for listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash OPP. That's everlywell.com slash OPP for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash OPP. Inside someone's pack is everything from their sleeping bag to their tent to the food that they rely on to get from checkpoint to checkpoint. And chances are they've spent thousands of dollars and years accruing all of their equipment. Typically, it's not something you'd let out of your sight. For me personally, when I'm on a hike and most of my friends, if I go to a restaurant, I bring my pack in with me and I set it across from me. If I go in a store, I put it in the shopping basket. If I go to a store and they say, I can't bring my pack in, I don't go to that store because there is no way I'm going to let that thing out of my sight because if it disappears, I'm SOL and my hike's over. Being careless with your pack would be unusual for any moderately serious hiker, but it's especially unusual for someone as accomplished as Jeffrey, who said he'd completed the Triple Crown. He even had a tattoo of each trail logo on his calf to show for it. But Whitney was too busy preparing for the weekend festivities to give it too much thought. You know, he seemed very nice. He seemed sincere. He was very charming. He's very friendly. He had met some people doing trail work that day. So he was kind of like hanging out with them already. Strangely, when Jeffrey showed up at the gathering, he wasn't dressed like a long-distance hiker. He wore leather boots. Most long-distance hikers wear trail runners. He wore a North Face jacket, one that would be too heavy to pack on a long-distance hike. And his sleeping bag, it looked like one that you might buy for a family car camping trip. Sort of odd, but then again, he had said his things were stolen. And more importantly, Jeffrey pulled his weight that weekend in Mount Hood. He was eager to help. He was polite and outgoing. To the other attendees, this was reason enough to embrace him. You know, the thing about long-distance hiking is it really attracts people from all different walks of life. I've always said that long-distance hiking is one of those things that's kind of like the great equalizer. I have hiked with plenty of people with PhDs, and I've hiked with plenty of people who are high school dropouts, everything in between, people who are millionaires, people who hardly have a pot to piss in, for lack of a better word. Long-distance hikers will typically run into the same people out on the trail. But oddly, no one at the gathering had ever met Jeffrey. Still, they accepted him. Besides, Jeffrey was easy to be around. He was kind and engaging, and he seemed to be an open book. One couple in particular felt a kinship with Jeffrey. They met him doing trail work that Friday at the volunteer day. And, uh, I mean, you know, doing volunteer work, there's like 10 people. You know, you kind of get to know each other. You're swinging Pulaski's and hammers. It's a pretty, you know, you're doing physical activity. You're out in the woods, and you're all long-distance hikers. You have a lot in common. At the gathering, there was a distinct sense of community. This was a small group of people with the same shared love of connecting with nature and with themselves, on foot, over thousands and thousands of hard-earned miles. Whitney noticed that Jeffrey seemed to take every opportunity to talk about his stolen pack, and that the community of hikers really felt for him. I think it was trying to start the whole weekend off with people feeling sympathetic to his plight. And then it also, in a way, I think gave him a convenient excuse to show up because he probably knew enough or did enough research. It was a convenient cover story for why he didn't have good gear. On the second night of the weekend, the Triple Crown Ceremony takes place. Usually you have to write the ALDHA ahead of time to tell them you've completed it. They'll then make a plaque with your name on it. But if you don't get a chance to do that, you can still go up on stage and get recognized. Saturday night is the Triple Crown ceremony. So, I mean, Saturday night's like the big event. I mean, we inducted in that year's Triple Crown hikers. They're, they're awarded their awards. They can say a couple words. There's a big banquet. And then Sunday morning is the uh, 
general membership meeting and a raffle and then everyone goes home. So, I mean, it's a really like welcoming, friendly event. During this ceremony, Jeffrey went on stage with the other Triple Crowners. He got a hat as an award. Then, during the raffle, Jeffrey won a pair of shoes to be mailed to him later. And by Monday morning, he was headed north to Seattle with the older couple that he'd met at the gathering. Jeffrey told the couple he was hitchhiking to Alaska, so they offered him their couch for a few nights. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you come up and you can stay a night at our place while you're getting your travel all set. So they wound up taking him back to their place in Seattle. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm no different than these people in Seattle. I have taken hikers I've met for a weekend back to my house at the end of the gathering for a night or two if they needed to get home or needed a place to crash in Portland for a night for a flight the next day. Jeffrey stayed with this couple for a few days, but they quickly started to realize that Jeffrey was not in any real hurry to get to Alaska, where he said he was headed, that he had no real intent to leave. He started to give them excuses, like... He'd run out of money. And he's like, oh, you know, I, I can't access my fund. My, my veteran's payment isn't coming through or the card's not working. And long and short, he basically was like, can you lend me $500 so I can get my travel stuff done? The couple loaned Jeffrey $500 to be paid back when his check came through. But Jeffrey never paid them back. He took the money and left town. $500. It was enough to sting but not enough to bankrupt the couple. More than anything, they were embarrassed. So they never filed a police report. They just alerted Whitney and then washed their hands of the whole thing. You know, that couple was older and retired. I mean, 500 bucks is still, I'd be mad if I lost 500 bucks. I don't think it put him in destitute. I think it was more the principle of it happening and they felt duped. That was for them more the principle of the matter and the situation itself and feeling like they let their guard down and got taken advantage of. I think he probably did a quick assessment and figured out they live in Seattle, they're older, this is a good target. Whitney got one last email from Jeffrey. It was about the shoes that Jeffrey won the night of the Triple Crown ceremony. The shoes were to be mailed to the winners after the gathering was over. And he like sent me a follow-up email being like, hey, can I get those shoes? I'm like, no, no, you can't. He never heard from Jeffrey again. Jeffrey was on his way to northern Colorado, and his confidence in his ability to scam people seemed to be growing. In 2018, Jeffrey set his sights on Melissa Trent. Melissa is a single mother of two daughters. She works full-time in senior care, which is her passion. She is kind and soft-spoken. She's also tough. Melissa has pulled herself and her family out of hard times more than once. Melissa had lost her job, which resulted in unpaid bills and a car repossession. But after a rough year, she was finally back on her feet. And in 2018, she was even looking forward to meeting someone new. A quick note about my conversation with Melissa. The audio recording is a little bumpy in parts. When you're online dating, you start to see a lot of fake profiles and real profiles. So I kind of look for that kind of stuff first. And then once I feel like it's a real profile, then I really kind of look at it. I look at the whole thing and um, see if I feel like the important areas we would be compatible. As a single mother, Melissa was careful to vet Jeffrey's profile before meeting up with him. She was careful and critical, and she was trying to determine if this person was someone she might authentically connect with. Well, he claimed that he was retired military and that he was also working as a tree arborist in the area. So it sounded like he had a good, you know, honest track record, you know, for making a living. And I wanted somebody that had stable employment And he just, and he looked rugged in all of his pictures. He wore a hat. So he comes across as a very rugged hiker. And, you know, he just seemed really like a nice, genuine guy. They exchanged a few more messages before Jeffrey asked Melissa if she'd like to go to dinner with him. Melissa said yes.
Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? We've all been there. Maybe you're bored with U.S. Netflix and you want to take a spin in the U.K. or another country. Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan to watch your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. They have 5,000 plus server options, so no show is out of your reach. You can use my link, nordvpn.com slash OPP, and you will receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. Here's the thing. Privacy is important to me. I think it is to us all. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. You can use it for more than just watching Netflix. Obviously, you can do other things as well. It's a way to access the internet while keeping all of your information protected and private. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you did do something like download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and it deletes it before it ever harms your computer. There's no risk because they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So give it a try. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, they'll issue a refund. And you can pretend the entire thing never happened. Check out my link, nordvpn.com OPP to get your subscription started today. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is how to take care of my brain. I love a good crossword, and I do think that helps. But therapy is also really helpful for my brain, for my emotional life, for my anxiety. It's one of the things that I do to take care of myself. And I don't even have to go into an office because there's BetterHelp Online Therapy. I have found it so helpful to be able to talk through things with someone with a professional and come up with tools that can help me um, walk through my life more confidently and happier. BetterHelp is online therapy. They offer video and phone sessions. They also do live chat only therapy sessions. So if you don't want to see anyone on camera, you don't have to. It is more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist really quickly within 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash OPP. That's betterhelp.com slash OPP. Jeffrey told Melissa he was in the process of moving back to Colorado Springs and was currently staying at an Airbnb. So Melissa offered to pick him up for their date. She didn't mind. She just purchased a new car and she was happy to drive. So when we made our plans, I was supposed to pick him up at the Airbnb and then we were going to go get dinner. And so we actually met whenever I was, I was at the intersection where I was supposed to turn and go down his street and he popped up right at that intersection. And I didn't even think anything of it. I just thought, oh, that's nice. So now I can just keep going straight. I don't have to turn down the street. Like I didn't think anything of that. Um, so we went out to eat and he paid. So, you know, I thought that was nice. After their dinner date, Melissa dropped Jeffrey off where she picked him up at that same intersection by his Airbnb. Melissa would have happily driven him all the way home, but Jeffrey insisted. I had to work, you know, the whole rest of the week, so we didn't see each other for a while, but we were in pretty, you know, constant contact with texting. By the week following their first date, Melissa and Jeffrey were already texting every day throughout the day. And when they weren't texting each other, they were talking on the phone. The connection felt authentic, like... Jeffrey was genuinely interested in who Melissa was as a person, like he was looking for something real and something lasting. So it was no surprise to Melissa when he wanted to see her again the following week. He even offered to come over and make dinner for her and her two daughters. For Melissa, it was a little soon to invite someone over, but they'd been in constant contact, and so she felt safe inviting him 
into her home. And the next time I saw him was like the following Friday. He came over to my house and he made spaghetti for me and the kids. And he found out that, you know, what everybody liked and he brought the food over and he prepared everything. And then after that, he cleaned up all the food and everything. So, you know, it was really nice. He just seemed like a nice guy. And he really played on the fact that I was a single mom. He knew that it would be important that my kids like him and that he impressed them. Jeffrey and Melissa's connection deepened. He seemed to be an open book, sharing with Melissa his entire life story, including his most tragic loss when his parents, wife, and daughter all passed away in a car accident. Basically that he had a great upbringing um, up until he was 18 and his parents died in the tragic car accident. And then on the second or third date, I asked him if he had ever been married. And he said, well, that's the part that I didn't tell you. When my parents died in the car crash, my wife and five-month-old daughter were also in the car crash. So that just makes you feel even worse for this guy. But he had a really great story. He supposedly had graduated from college in Alaska, and he had been in the military, and he had been to the Iraq and Afghanistan war, and he supposedly had war wounds that he showed me. So he had a really interesting life. And it was, I even told him at one point that I was proud of him and that his parents would be proud of the man that he had become because he had just overcome so much tragedy. Wow. When you told him that, you know, what was his reaction? He was just so just humble and said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I really hope that you're, that you're right, that, that they're proud of me. I mean, he was just, he always, you know, he would look you right in the eyes and just, you know, be so heartfelt. Jeffrey's life story was unimaginable, maybe even unbelievable. But he didn't tell Melissa everything all at once. He did it slowly, as if she needed to earn his trust. He told it to me in pieces, so it seemed more believable. And he had basically been on his own since he was 18, which is why he joined the military. And he said the military had really saved him. And his parents were well off and he inherited all this money. And he had land and a place in Alaska. And he was having a bunch of his stuff shipped here to Colorado. And he was supposedly very well off because of his inheritance from his parents. Plus, he had his monthly veterans benefits that he got. And he was supposedly working as an arborist. So he seemed like he was, you know, could, was self-sustaining, could totally pay for himself, you know, and carry his own weight. Melissa felt bad for Jeffrey. He had no family or friends in the area to rely on in times like this. Having been through hard times herself, she could empathize. A couple of days later, he came back over and we were supposed to go out and he told me that the Airbnb that he was staying at, the couple was fighting all the time and it was really making him uncomfortable. So he was thinking about leaving, but his money, he gets a monthly check from the veterans and that money wasn't going to be in until Monday. Jeffrey was in the process of moving back to the area, so he was on the apartment hunt calling property managers and making appointments for showings. And so he was really stuck. So I let him come over and stay with me for four nights before he was going to get his money so that he could get a place. And that whole four days, we looked at all different kinds of apartments and places to go. It was unusual for Melissa to let a person she'd only met a few weeks ago stay over, Everything about Jeffrey's situation was unusual. And by this point, he really didn't feel like a stranger to her anymore. He was literally calling people and setting up appointments for because he wanted to find a place on Monday and all this, you know, and I fell for all of it because I wanted it to be true. I really wanted it to be true. I asked Melissa if she recalled any red flags with Jeffrey when he came to stay at her house. She said no. At least, not at first. But now, looking back, 
Melissa wonders if Jeffrey was ever even staying at an Airbnb at all. Remember, he'd met her out on the street for their first date. And at the time, it seemed courteous of him. But in hindsight, she wondered, was everything about Jeffrey a facade? Unlike Melissa, her oldest daughter had a bad feeling about Jeffrey from the moment he came to stay with them. My oldest daughter was more cautious. My younger one really liked him a lot. There was one, we had just gotten a kitten, and he did not like that kitten at all. And she was so little and so cute. And one time she jumped on the couch and, like, tried to go on his shoulder. And he just, like, abruptly, you know, got her off of him. And we thought that was weird. Because, you know, even if you don't like cats, it's this cute little baby kitten, you know. So that was really weird. There was something else that didn't sit right with Melissa's oldest daughter. Jeffrey brought all of his laundry with him, and it all needed to be washed. And he had a really large, like, camping bag that he kept his laundry in. And he did all of his laundry. And she was like, Mom, that is weird. Like, why does he have that much laundry? Who stays at somebody's house for four days? Why would you let him stay here? So Melissa asked him about it. I said, wow, that's a lot of laundry. And he said that because that couple at the Airbnb fought so much, he just stayed in his room and let his laundry pile up because he didn't want to be out there in the common area and having to do his laundry. Jeffrey had an explanation for everything. And keep in mind, Melissa and Jeffrey had been communicating nonstop via text. They had gone to dinner and he'd made her family spaghetti. It hadn't been that long since their first meeting, but she already felt like she knew him. Dating is hard. Melissa was doing it as a single parent, working full-time with no additional help with childcare. It feels rare and special to find someone you genuinely connect with. And when you find that, you want to hold on to it. So it was a little weird that Jeffrey brought his laundry, but it was a small quirk in the much bigger grand scheme of things to Melissa. I was still feeling like, for me, it was moving fast, even though I really liked him. We had talked on the phone like two or three nights in a row before we met for like 12 hours each time. Like we had really great conversation and none of it ever turned sexual. And that really appealed to me. You know, he never brought that kind of stuff up. We were just talking about politics and religion and you know, just life stories and his time in the military and just those types of things. So we, I really felt like I kind of knew him. Melissa and Jeffrey were dating, getting to know each other. So the fact that Jeffrey hadn't ever turned their conversation in the direction of sex was a good thing to Melissa. It was a sign to her that he truly wanted to get to know her, that he was taking his time and earning her trust. Since they'd been spending so much time at the house, Jeffrey and Melissa decided to go hang out for the day at a nearby casino. But as they arrived, Jeffrey was hit with some bad news. He said his veteran's check was held up, which prompted his bank to lock his debit card. He wondered if Melissa might loan him just $100 to get through the weekend. Melissa agreed. And so I said, sure. So we went to a gambling town. It's a mountain town that has a lot of casinos that's pretty close to Colorado Springs, about 30 miles away. And we went there and I went to the ATM. And as I was getting out the $100, he made a big deal about turning around and not looking at my password or anything. But as Melissa stood at the ATM with Jeffrey, the number he needed quickly doubled. And he said, can we make it 200 and that'll give me 100 to get through the weekend, and then we can use 100 to gamble tonight. So I got out the $200 and gave it to him. And we used that $100 the whole day. It lasted like 10 hours. And we used it until it was gone. And then we left. And basically, after that, we went on a couple of drives in the new car. And really, we just stayed home and we cooked food. And both of us would cook. And we ordered pizza one night and had pizza and wings. But, you know, I paid for that because he was using my money. So he contributed, but it was my hundred bucks that he was using. For Melissa to float Jeffrey $200 didn't leave much room in her budget for anything to go wrong. 
But Jeffrey assured her, as soon as the bank opened on Monday, he'd go get his new debit card and settle up. Melissa took Jeffrey at his word. She had no reason not to. But there was one moment in the casino that gave her an odd feeling about Jeffrey's story. When we were at the casino, he was talking with another guy that was from the same area of Alaska that Jeff was supposedly from. And Jeff referenced his mom in the present term. And my mom had passed away, and I never refer to her in the present term. And I thought it was really weird, since his mom had been dead for 20-plus years, that he was referring to her in the present tense. But I rationalized it that everybody deals with grief differently, and maybe that's just, you know, his way of dealing with it. Melissa was trying hard to see the good in Jeffrey. They had great chemistry. He was kind to her children. He had stable employment. And she was comforted by the fact that he had been vulnerable by sharing so much with her. Melissa was no stranger to hard times, and she wanted to help him. And when Monday rolled around, Jeffrey seemed keen to pay Melissa back what he'd borrowed. He was headed to the bank, just as he'd said. All he needed was a way to get there. He asked me if he can borrow my car, and he says that he's going to go. The bank opens at 8 o'clock. So he's going to use it at 7.45. And I happened to be off that day, so I didn't need my car at all. And so I said, okay, I thought that he would literally be back at like 8.15 or 8.30. He gave me a kiss and said that he would see me later. And he actually left a pair of his gloves. And I tried to give them to him. I said, are these yours? Because they were laying on the counter. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll just get them later. And then he left. Melissa had recently purchased this car after months of saving for a down payment. It was the only means of transportation for her and her daughters. It made her a little uneasy, the thought of loaning her car to anyone. And that uneasy feeling escalated when just a little while after he left that morning, Jeffrey called Melissa. He told her that the local branch of his bank couldn't help him, that he'd actually need to drive to the Denver branch, about 90 minutes away. Melissa needed Jeffrey to pay back that money that she loaned him. So she reluctantly agreed. I really needed that money that I had loaned him. I had very little money in my bank account and I had just given my cats the last bit of food and I was supposed to go grocery shopping that day with that money. So I said, yes, you can go to Denver. He was like, I'll be back by noon. I'll just get up there and get back. And then he said, I need to put gas in the car. And he did. There wasn't enough to even get him to Denver. So he said, can I use one of these credit cards that's here in the car? And I said, what do you mean? And he described my two credit cards to me. One was my bank card and one was a credit card. And I said, why are those in my car? And he said, I don't know. They're just sitting right here in the cup holder. Melissa had never left her credit cards in her car before, but she did have a teenager at home. So she asked her daughter just to be certain. And she said, I mean, I could have left them in there, but I really don't think I did. And I said, well, do you remember putting them in my wallet? And she said, no. So I assumed that she had left my credit cards in the car. And I said, yes, you can use my card. The whole thing made Melissa feel uneasy. But she needed Jeffrey to pay her back and to return her car. And if she had to front him the gas money to do it, then so be it. So Melissa gave Jeffrey her PIN number. And um, that was it. Um, I didn't hear from him until about three o'clock that day. We had really bad rain and wind. And he claimed that it was bad, bad traffic. And he was just getting into Denver. And the bank didn't have power. And he was going to spend the night in the parking lot and be the first one in line the next morning. And I was like, no, you need to turn around and come back right now and give me my car. That was when I really started to panic. And he was like, no, I'm not turning around. It's horrible weather out there. I just got here. It's bad traffic. And I mean, what was I supposed to do? Jeffrey did not share Melissa's sense of urgency. 
nor did he seem to care that she was feeling uncomfortable or that he'd taken her only vehicle. Melissa waited just a few more hours to see if she could convince Jeffrey to turn around and bring her car back. But Jeffrey kept blowing her off. So I called the police at about 8 o'clock on Monday, and they came over, and they basically laughed at me. Imagine that you have spent hours and hours in deep conversation with someone. You've told him intimate things about your life. You've trusted him brought him into your home around your two children. You've lent a helping hand even when you had nothing to spare. And that same person just drove off with your only means of transportation, your most valuable possession. So you call the police, and instead of helping, they laugh at you. They were like, you gave him your keys and said that he could use your car and take it to Denver. He hasn't even had it for 24 hours, so... You know, I couldn't believe it, but they were like, if he has it for more than 24 hours, then it's a problem. So they got his phone number and said that they would call him. So they called him right there in front of me. He didn't answer. So they left a message and they told them it's the police. The police called Jeffrey's cell phone and left him a message. They let him know that Melissa wanted her car back, but seemed to share Jeffrey's lackadaisical attitude about when that might happen, if ever. Later that night, Jeffrey called the police officer back. He told them he'd return the car to Melissa the very next morning. But the next morning came and went, and Jeffrey did not come back with the car. I don't know about you all, but it is a busy summer. I have a lot of gatherings to go to, birthday parties, showers. It seems like everyone is celebrating, which is so fun. But it is hard to find time to grocery shop. And that is where Daily Harvest comes in. Daily Harvest delivers delicious food built on organic fruits and vegetables. You can choose from smoothies, flatbreads, harvest bowls, and more. And it's all ready to enjoy in literal minutes. They help keep my freezer stocked with good food. And what I love about it is that it's farm to frozen. They lock in those peak nutrients and flavor. They have savory options, sweet options, and things that are kind of in between. One of the things that I cannot get enough of are the smoothies, especially in the summer when it's so hot. I love a smoothie. The smoothies are so easy to use. You just open the smoothie pouch. You pour in your the milk of your choice, which I usually do oat milk, and throw it all in the blender, and then there you are. Like, you have a delicious smoothie. I love the mint cacao. That's probably my favorite one. I also love the chocolate blueberry. Daily Harvest is committed to human and planetary health, which means they do their absolute best to ensure transparency and integrity when it comes to their ingredients and the humans who grow them. Stay busy and eat sustainably with Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com OPP to get $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash OPP for up to $40 off your first box. dailyharvest.com slash OPP. The police called Melissa to relay the message that Jeffrey would be home soon with her car, but it was too late. By the time she got that call, Melissa realized that Jeffrey had taken every last dollar from her bank account. She knew he wasn't coming back. There was a lot of anger. When he realized that I knew for sure that he was conning me, he really got angry and defensive and his entire demeanor and personality changed. I was so angry and embarrassed And I mean, I just had so much emotion about what was happening. And that car, I mean, I had saved up for months to make a down payment on that car. And my car before that had gotten repossessed. And my kids and I had been taking Lyft and Uber. And, you know, I had saved up so much money to buy that car and then to just have it stolen like that. And I literally gave it to him and gave him my credit card and gave him my PIN numbers so he had everything. My friends were having to come over and give us food and give my cats food because I had nothing. Melissa had to shift her strategy. 
She knew the police weren't going to help her find Jeffrey. So she tried to convince him to come back on her own. He was inexplicably still taking her calls. We talked for like three or four days. And I would try different tactics to get him to bring it back. I would tell him that we could run away together and I wouldn't tell the police. By this point, Melissa had Googled Jeffrey and learned of his history as a con man. She told him it didn't bother her. She wouldn't go to the police. She just wanted her car back. I was trying everything to get him to meet me and give me my car back. And, but he wasn't stupid. He wasn't going to ever do that. Why do you think he was talking to you at all? Like, why do you think he was still taking your calls? I'm really not sure. And I, to this day, I can't figure out when exactly did he decide to take the car. So, you know, I just, I don't know. Jeffrey would never tell Melissa where he was during their calls. But her car was fairly noticeable. It was a bright blue Audi, and people were spotting it around town. So he was in town for a while because there were several sightings. But every time I would get to the place where he was sighted, he wasn't there anymore. I was always behind him. I could never get to him. He was fast moving. And then, finally, Melissa got the call she'd been waiting for. Well, they had, you know, a warrant out for him, and he wound up in the car in South Dakota. And he had expired tags at that point because I had just bought the car and something was wrong with the tags. And that caught the cop's eyes. And he was parked at a bar. And when he came out that night, he was drunk and they saw him stumbling to the car and they were going to pull him over, but he never wound up leaving. He just slept in the car. But they thought it was suspicious because he didn't have tags on the car anymore. And so um, they waited or came back that morning. And when he woke up, they um, approached him. And immediately he told them who he was and that he had stolen the car. Even more strangely, Jeffrey had very clearly been living in the car. And while he was on the run, he'd managed to go on several brewery tours. He definitely went on a beer tour of Colorado, and he went to all of these different breweries around the state, and he put um, stickers from each one of them on the windows of my car. Jeffrey's admission of guilt did little to console Melissa. While the amount he stole might seem small, he took every last dollar that Melissa had. He took the car she'd worked hard to buy, the one she drives her kids to school in, and he took her ability to trust. Melissa knew the punishment for a seemingly petty crime would be small, but she still wanted to hold Jeffrey accountable. So she decided to warn others. After he got arrested, I found all of his personal paperwork in the car, and he had this little address book that had like previous victims' names and addresses in it and different people that he had met along the way. And then in the back had all of his passwords. And so I took over his Facebook page and I started posting and updating people about him and I made it all public. Melissa posted what Jeffrey had done to her all over his account. She told his victims and anyone who would read her posts that he was a con man, not to be trusted. The last person she expected a message from was Jeffrey himself. But then he got out of jail. Well, one day I logged in and it showed that he was already logged in and he messaged me from himself. And so, <laughs> so I figured out, I was like, is this really you? Am I talking to you? Are you out of prison? And he said, yes, this is really me. And so I was communicating with him. What? What did he even say? He was very humble, very apologetic. He had turned over a new leaf. He was an honest man now. He was never going to con again. He was working at a really good job, making great money. And so that was his story. Melissa asked Jeffrey, had he planned from the very beginning to steal from her? and take her car? And he says that he didn't decide to take it until the moment that he took it. So I don't know if that's true. I think that he planned the whole thing out and intended to take it from the beginning. And at this point, you're not buying any of it. 
No, I had thoroughly researched him and I knew his past. He had been locked up in three different states. I had spoken to so many of his victims. He's just someone that I, I think he's a sociopath. He just doesn't develop real feelings. So it's really easy for him to seemingly form long relationships with some people. He's had girlfriends that he's had for two or three years, but he always winds up conning them in the end. When Melissa realized who Jeffrey Caldwell was, she found his name on a blog called The Mountain Project. There was a thread where other victims were sharing their own stories of also being conned by Jeffrey. For the most part, his victims are women, people he met at church groups or even support groups for parents of children with special needs. Melissa even connected with the mother of Jeffrey's child, who did not die in a car crash, and to whom he was never married. She said Jeffrey had also stolen from her. She told Melissa this is something that he'd been doing since he was 20 years old. Jeffrey Caldwell has been arrested over 10 times since the 1990s. His charges vary from obstructing a peace officer to grand larceny and identity theft. It's hard to picture him changing. But for the people he conned, the change is clear. How would you say that this experience changed your outlook uh, when it comes to meeting new people? It changed a lot. I don't trust people like I used to. I used to pretty much trust you until you gave me a reason not to. And now I feel like you have to earn your trust with me. And so it's a lo- much longer process And I really enjoy the alone time now. Once you get used to being alone, um, you really don't need that anymore. I do have friends and I have my kids and animals. And so I feel like I have a fulfilled life. Melissa continues to speak out about what Jeffrey took from her in the hopes that the next time he sets his sights on someone, they'll know better. That his decades-long run as a con man will finally come to an end. Jeffrey Caldwell is currently incarcerated at Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility and is set to be released in 2023. The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It is produced by me, Hannah Smith, along with Paisha Eaton, Natalie Gregory, Kate Mays, and Sarah Dalgleish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer. Anton Doty is our editor. The show is mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Our cover art is by Arvin Lee. The ending credits song is Waltz for Zachariah from the album Cholet. Do you have any suggestions for the show and opportunists that you want us to cover? You can email us at theopportunist at castmedia.com. Cast with a K. If you're enjoying The Opportunist, I would love it so much if you would take a moment, go to wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. Um, it also helps us a lot if you can rate and review the show, specifically on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show. So thank you so, so much.